welcome to Red Ice Creations Radio. My name is Henrik Palmgren. I'm the editor and webmaster of RedIceCreations.com. And this is our internet talk radio show recorded from the west coast of Sweden. You can join us every Thursday and Sunday for our regular program. And uh, don't miss out on our subscriber section if you want to have full access to our growing archive of radio shows. Today we have our monthly regular guest, Alan Watt from CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, back with us on the program. Uh, we're a bit off in our schedule. Alan is usually with us the last Sunday of each month. But uh, because of some work on film projects from our end, we're about a week off here. But uh, that's okay. Any, any time is a good time to talk with Alan. And uh, today I would like to begin to talk about the Bilderberg Group, or uh, the conference, this uh, annually... Uh, held meeting is usually sometime during the month of June and um, as far as we know it it's ongoing right now as of this recording is anyway and uh, it's probably going to be going on through the entire weekend here so uh, this is a good opportunity to spend some time talking about this group and a lot more stuff with Alan so uh, let's say welcome back to the program Mr. Watts thank you so much for joining us again hope things are good and that uh, you are well yes I'm well yeah Excellent. Nice to have you here again. So, you know, as I said, we have the Bilderberg meeting ongoing, as far as we know right now. It's uh, usually in the month of June. The location of the meeting this year is in uh, Istanbul, Turkey. And uh, the Bilderberg group, of course, is a, I don't know, a think tank. Uh, I've also heard it been referred to as a kind of a steering committee, uh, <laughs> you know, that meet once a year on various locations around the globe, usually in the Western Hemisphere, I think, and uh, where allegedly and, and everything from international matters, politics, uh, business, economics, and a whole lot of our other stuff are discussed at this meeting. It's a, uh, it's a known secret meeting, as it were, with politicians, media moguls, CEOs, members of European royalty, and uh, a whole lot of other people as would consider to be referred to as elites, I guess, or rulers or whatnot. And uh, Alan, I'm not sure how familiar you are with the history of the Bilderbergers and the, their track record, so to speak. I know that it was started in '54, and that the you know, name relates to the hotel that they were first uh, meeting at uh, in Netherlands. We have hints in there, uh, here and there about what are being discussed at this meeting. Uh, not sure if there's any you know, full reports, as it were, from, from the inside. Uh, I know that they were in o Ottawa, Canada last year, and uh, we've been talking about many different groups and clubs and societies, secret and not, and uh, on this show, of course, Alan. But so, so let me ask you, would you consider this particular group to be of great importance if you were to kind of compare them from a conspiratorial viewpoint with, with other similar groups? Well, the, uh, before World War II came along, long before World War II came along, in fact, in fact, it was the time of World War I, the elite of Europe, especially Britain, discussed the coming of what they called democracies, which really hadn't existed in their present form uh, at that time. And they knew they'd have to appease the people with a form of what appeared to be democratic government on the outside where they could vote. Mm. Mind you, that's the only right they get is to vote. Yeah. <laughs> um, they don't get rights in, in uh, making decisions on what's to be voted for with the bills all, they all go through. Yeah. And or, or the, um, yeah. they'd never let go of power. There's an, there is an establishment, as they call it, in Britain, 
which has never lost hold of its power, never intends to. It's uh, a eugenic-run society, you might say, mm-hmm. with the, the most successful, as their own words, the most successful families intergenerationally who've caught wealth and power and held on to it, uh, who've shown their worth uh, in a Darwinian viewpoint yeah. to be where they are. So uh, prior to World War II coming along, they'd already set up the, the basic foundations to run a parallel government, which would actually push towards global government. It mm. goes way back in history to the 1500s, and actually before. Hmm. But uh, the 1500s was uh, when it came out into the open, where they wanted a, a British empire based on free trade. Hmm. And they even gave the, the term uh, most favored nation trading status, which they still use today in the UN treaties, you'll notice. Hmm. Um, so they set up a pyramid structure after World War II of think tanks, with certain think tanks at the top that would be the steering, the column, the navigators at the top. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, at the top, you have uh, one of them which plans the future and the society that will be induced in that future with the culture and everything else to go with it. Yeah. That's from entertainment all the way down, and it's comprised of very large media moguls who participate with the planners, the navigators, and that's the Club of Rome. Ah. And that think tank then gives out their their policies to lower think tanks, there are thousands of them ultimately, that then work them into being, they call it making it so, making it be. Hmm. And uh, one of the the groups which then uh, goes over their major strategies and, and discusses how it is working, if any alterations need to be made, are the Bilderberger Group. That's interesting about the name there because this was one question I did want to put to your idea rather, and and this was, you know, the, the fact that uh, the the story goes, you know, that that some uh, don't know the name of him, a, a guy, you know, uh, uh, you know, stumbled upon the, this meeting um, uh, at the hotel called Billerberg, and what I found interesting was that that they consequently you know, call themselves the Bilderberg meeting That's because right. this is a group that has been named by someone from the outside then. Uh, but, you In know... In a sense, or else they leaked it out or put a false story through. Yeah. They're very particular about their names. Hmm. 
So yeah, they love these names. It's a little, little jokes on the public. Ah, okay, yeah, because you, you know, again, when we look at the, you know, the the official, uh, there is one um, circulated report. There's a picture of that, you know, uh, on Wikipedia even from the 1980 Bilderberg Conference in in Bad uh, Bad Aachen in Germany. Yeah. Uh, there's one fax that was circulated. Uh, from uh, the Brook Street Hotel in Ottawa last year, um, and this fa- fax uh, on the front cover, this, this was the member list fax, basically, that was sent to the hotel there. Uh, and, and on that fax, it also said, you know, the Bilderberg meeting. So that's a, that is, the, you know, very much the official name. But then again, if someone were there stumbling upon this meeting, uh, one would think that they had named themselves something else, be, else before the first meeting. But, well, anyway. <laughs> yeah, they were on the go before they eventually came up more in the open. Yeah, they must have been. So the, In the 1950s. So, I mean, this, you know, I don't know if this is, is worth mentioning, but but in a sense... Could that imply, in, in, in some ways, that this particular group, you know, is 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 there to draw not attention away from other groups, maybe, but but in in a way, as as I you know referred to you before we began the program here today, that uh, this particular meeting has gotten at least in the last few years more media attention than a lot of other meetings, and and it's a kind of popular, uh, you know, conspiracy in quotes, so to speak. Well, I don't know what what's your take on that. It's not really. What it is, is the graduates. See, they wrote about this again in the early 1900s. Mm. And they said that these unelected ruling groups, a, a parallel government, would eventually, at the right time, when the public would accept it, uh, they would start to show themselves more often. They call themselves hidden masters. That's mm. the old joke they used to call themselves. <laughs> mm. And everyone down below parted hidden masters, thinking it was something really occult, you know. Yeah. But in, in reality, they've always been here, and the public are now being trained uh, to, because they will accept it. They will accept it. They're too socialized now. Uh, they will accept a world of experts running them hmm. at 40, 50 years of indoctrination along this path. Mm. And most people don't participate in, in elections or politics. They don't even care what's really happening in their own countries, most mm. of them. That's right. So they're, they're quite ready now for these people to come forward more officially mm. as, as a, a parallel government. Ah, oh, so that this, as you say, this is the plan to, you know, with the name, the, the Bilderbergers, <laughs> yeah. in that name, uh, giving that, um, you know, implication of, you know, on a more psychological level, I guess, that, okay, these are, these are the big boys, these are the rulers. But would you say that, uh, because you refer to them as, as, you know, the navigators in that sense, would you say that the guys and gals attending the Bilderberg conference are these navigators? They are uh, a lower, a slightly lower order. Um, at the top, they say that the hidden ones, the masters themselves, the captains of the ship, will not come forward until it's the right time. In other words, when the, people, the public are so dumbed down mm. and docile uh, that then they can come forward in safety. In the meantime, we see the ones who are officially titled mm. already in the public's eyes. So they can, they can still, but they still report to ones above them. Mm. Okay. Yeah, if you look down, in fact, at the old, uh, where the banks are in England, if you go up into one of the, the high buildings and look down, you'll see the four banks with the obelisk they brought over from Egypt mm-hmm. a long time ago. Mm-hmm. 
and um, you'll see the Temple Bar, where the Knights Templars had run the Exchequer, which yeah. is the British Treasury. But you'll also see uh, where the roads come together, and you look down, where the pavement is, the sidewalk is, is in the form of a ship. And that deliberately was called the Ship of State. Ah, because it, England was the one chosen to be the Ship of State, and the navigator will point the way. Mm. So uh, this is old stuff, uh, well understood at the top circles, it, it, this is unknown to the general public. Okay, the, and this, I guess, is in the uh, uh, the city of London you're talking about now, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, there's some very interesting uh, connections that actually when you bring up, you know, the... Uh, the Knights Templar and the, and the Temple Bar and all of this. I briefly looked into, uh, um, you know, the history of some of the names of some of the attendees there, uh, and I came upon the uh, one name, uh, Gordon Richardson or Sir Gordon Richardson, uh, a former governor of of the Bank of England. Uh, and just on a you know side note here, but he was actually in 1946. He was called into something called uh, uh, the Grays Inn. Um, and this is uh, uh, basically an area, you know, where they have uh, all the manners of, of um, something called the, the Middle Temple, the Inner Temple, and Lincoln's Inn. Also, this is the area where the Temper Bar or, you know, all the barristers are gathered, basically. Right. Uh, Temple Bar, yeah. Exactly. And, and one of the names they referred to uh, was, uh, as I said, what the Grays Inn, and this was uh, accordingly... Uh, the manor house that was a property of someone called Reginald de Grey, or the first Baron Grey, the Wilton. Uh, don't know if you heard about this, but it all, as you say, all seems to connect with something called the Order of the British Empire and the Knights Templar, of course. Yeah, the Order of the British Empire still is uh, uh, dished out every every year to certain people, in people even in Canada and Australia, New Zealand, etc. Yeah. And everyone who is at the top of your culture cre- uh, creation departments gets uh, as awarded the order of the British Empire. Hmm. The OBE. Yeah. OBE. Yeah. The grey, see the grey part, we are talking about the Templars, um, the man in charge of the British Treasury, even today, appointed by Parliament, mm-hmm. is still called the Chancellor of the H, Checker. Now the Checker is mm-hmm. the chessboard um, inside, uh, it's, it's, it's the courtyard inside the temple bar mm-hmm. walk into it it's actually a floor which is a chessboard yeah. and that's where the templars used to who were into um loans giving out loans yeah. and getting back interest um they used to put out that's how they worked out their, their profit and loss was on that floorboard so even today the guy in charge is still called the chancellor of the exchequer mm. from the days of the knights templar hasn't changed hmm. there we go um, yeah, interesting. The grey one is in masonry, high masonry. The grey man is the man who walks between the two realities: the one the public sees and the one the public doesn't see. Uh, between the black and the white squares, you know, is a, a shade of grey. Uh, so yeah. grey men are those who are given higher orders, which few and the other sides will ever know. <laughs> You know, uh, I'm, I'm very glad that you that you mentioned this, and I'm, I'm going to uh, stretch things a bit here. But nonetheless, I'm, I'm going to give it out and see what you, what your take on it, because it's very interesting that you mentioned the grey, because uh, one of the members that I came 
came across here, and this will lead kind of into two different avenues here, but one of the names I came across as a member uh, of the Inner Temple was uh, Bram Stoker, who, of course, made the uh, myth of, you know, Dracula known, or he wrote that story, basically. And the the, the question, I guess, here, or the, the, the comment here is that um, I've heard, you know, that, that the, some of these guys maybe have, um, you know, um, uh, handling the, the, the gene technology back, uh, you know, f- several hundred years, with, with, uh, which actually could lead to a person or different persons uh, uh, actually being able to extend their own lives, meaning that some of these guys actually at the top might be uh, several hundred years old. I don't know. This is just an idea I threw out there, and I've heard it th- uh, through other channels. Now, I don't know if you mentioned it or not, but... Uh, and one interesting thing here that I just wanted to connect with the grace and, and the name of the grace is, of course, that we have this popular idea of the image of, of what is known as the gray alien, you know. And, yeah. and the entire you know, story here seems to kind of mud together and it's a you know, weird kind of mythological aspect on all of this, of course. But what's your take on all of this about the genes and, and stuff like that? What we do know, what we, we can trace, is documented. Uh, is the Rosicrucian Manifesto that came out in the time of Queen Elizabeth I's court. It was the first openly Rosicrucian um, Masonic court that had come out in the West. Mm-hmm. And all her advisors were Rosicrucians. And the only thing they allowed the public to know uh, was that they would give those who served the great work, as they called it, now, the great work goes back to Plato, mm. and before even to, to, to Pythagoras. Um, the great work, anyone who has served it, would be given a life extension. We do know that. Mm. And sure enough, the main members you'll find in history, Benjamin Franklin and others, were given uh, not just life extension, um, they were very potent right into their 80s when it came to the ladies and so on. Yeah. And they had no problems in these areas. Today we watch the higher guys like Kissinger, Maurice Strong, both in their late 70s or 80s, mm. globetrotting, Putin in 1416 hours a day uh, with tremendous energy. Yeah. And many, many more. Uh, Michael Sharp, um, or who was uh, a, a sort of, he was a guy in Canada who picked politicians. They used to go and see him before they were okayed, mm-hmm. passed to, to get up the ladder. Mm. He died at his desk working 14 hours a day in his 90s in Canada. Hmm. Uh, no, no previous old-age problems. None of them have old-age problems. They yeah. simply die in their sleep, yeah. like the Queen Mother at 100 years of age. As far as uh, gene technology goes, we know that Francis Bacon wrote about that in the novel, uh, The New Atlantis, mm-hmm. uh, where he described America, that's what it was about, yeah. a country to be born in the West that would be have a form of, of Republican democracy on the surface, but in reality would be run by a secret group of scientists. Hmm. And he talked about being shown in, in the novel, in the last chapter, that the, the visitor was allowed to see the laboratories underground uh, where they could create different life species by taking the most minute pieces of life and combining them together. Now, they weren't talking about grafting. And they said that we could actually create any kind of animal mm. and know what the end product would, would be by mixing the different uh, smallest particles of life uh, before it was completed. So, in other words, it wasn't a new thing. Hmm. 
Was, this was written in the days of candlelight to, to write <laughs> with yeah. the horse and buggy and sails uh. and ships. And here he is. He also talked about a, a machine to control the weather. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, so that was written in the late 1500s and published in 1602. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so I'm sure, and the whole thing is, of course, the Rosicrucians mm. at the top, like the Royal Society of England, which still exists today, was entirely composed of Rosicrucians and eventually Freemasons. Mm. Mm. Still is today. Mm. He led all of the the research into astronomy. Um, and genetic research and mm. so on. Yeah, yeah. They dish out the grants from the big foundations to the scientists to explore certain areas. <clears throat> as far as Gray goes, we know that the novel based on uh, Dorian Gray, mm -hmm. the legend of Dor Dorian Gray, was along the same lines mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Of, of a man who could live for as long as his portrait didn't change. Hmm. He'd always stay young, so oh. <laughs> you know, a lot of little clues along there, but yeah, no yeah. proof as such that they could live hundreds of years. Yeah. at least not that group. Exactly. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and, and my, you know, my connections there are, are are a bit obscured. I know that at least, you know, jumping from you know the Dracula myth over to the Grey Alien, but my, you know, consensus or my my idea, you know, of of, of that is, of course, that. Um, you know, just explaining that there might be, you know, if this is the case, you know, that there are people who might be uh, living at least, you know, longer than a, the average human being. That, oh, yeah. uh, um, you know, we have several things connecting there. Okay, we have the, you know, the myth of the the greys returning then as going back to the uh, regional the grey, um, like a kind of an incarnation, or that these people themselves, the greys from the beginning, were. Um, you know, are are living on in the in this new aspect or the reincarnation or whatever you know through through this. Yeah, they they do like to put this stuff out. Whether it's true or not, we just don't know. No, no, of course. Uh, we do know they have their own religion at the top. Mm. They certainly promote it to us. That is, yeah, to do with reincarnation. We know the ancient Romans, the the, the wealthy families believed that um, they came back in the same lineage. Uh, as their family, mm. so they they technically had the lares or the fires going down below in the cellar, mm. where they could watch the spirits of their ancestors, and when they died, they could become their great grandson in the future type of thing. Mm. The pharaohs also had that same mythology. Yeah, yeah. That the pharaoh, um, especially when the pharaoh was dying, or just died, they would bring in the son and lay him next to the sarcophagus. And they would perform the opening of the mouth ceremony. Yeah, yeah. The idea being that the, the the father could literally transmigrate, as opposed to simple reincarnation. Hmm. That the, the spirit could leave the father and go into the son. Yeah. So the son could have more than one spirit within him. Hmm. And that was one of the, the myths or rumors they put out as to why they were so clever. <laughs> they, they incorporate the wisdom of their fathers and their fathers yeah, before yeah. them. Ah, isn't that interesting? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, who, who knows, you know, if it's true or not, but the, there well, it is. No, I mean. though, when you're talking about genetic research, yeah. uh, one of the biggest and best mathematicians that Britain had in the, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, um, was Rutherford. Mm -hmm. And Rutherford, in his own memoirs, uh, wrote about being employed in his last years mm. as a mathematician working for scientific research in England. Mm. 
on uh, genetic research. Now, that was back in the 1920s. Mm -hmm. And yet, supposedly, they hadn't discovered the gene until much later. Hmm. Uh, so that's in his own biography. Yeah. Uh, which meant, now, why would you need a, a, a mathematician if you could not see them and couldn't count them, for instance? Yeah. It tells exactly. you that they, they did know this stuff back then. Yeah. Huh. Uh, do, do you know anything about uh, a guy called Henry Wellcome? This is uh, about the well, something known as the Wellcome Trust, and this was allegedly one of the uh, f funds for the uh, Human Genome Project, or one of the leading, uh, you, you know, foundations that uh, helped to, uh, you know, develop and map the human genome. I know, but I don't know if you. And know I know anything. that the Wellcome is probably related to the Wellcome Pharmaceutical Company. Mm -hmm, probably. Yeah. Uh, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, I know that the Human Genome Project. No, the Human Genome Project is typically masonically worded. Mm -hmm, yeah. Because yeah. Uh, genome, if you speak it, is gnome, gnome. which is a gnome. That's right. <laughs> a little person. That's right. <laughs> they've been mapping the genes of the common people. Yeah. And, but they've been now they're admitting they've been doing it since about the 1950s yeah. at least. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So they, they want to know all the different gene types of mm -hmm. the common people. Definitely. Yeah, and being able to map up, um, you know, the the human organism in in that way and be being able to, well, you know, again, this is ideas that are being implemented that you can beforehand look if people are going to have traits of being, you know, a criminal or alcoholic or whatever, you know, and they can either remove that or the entire person before they even come into this world, so... That's the whole purpose. So these guys at the top are eugenicists. Part of their religion is based on eugenics mm. and the superiority of different types or castes of people. Yeah, uh, they've always been into this, and they've never changed. There's no reason why they should change. Mm. Hmm. But they do want to map the common people for a future, more efficient society to serve them better. Mm, yeah, indeed. Um, you know, I want to return a little bit to, to again, the, the, the Bilderberg meeting there. Um, do you know if, if any of the things or, or if many of the things that are, uh, you know, discussed during these meetings are uh, something that we can see, you know, traces of now being implemented? We can go back, you know, one year or several years or whatever, because I'm, I'm saying this because I know that during the uh, last, allegedly at least, during the last meeting in Ottawa, 2006, um, depop the depopulation agenda was was apparently brought up, you know, and and uh, or at least the the idea of uh, of overpopulation were discussed and and kind of uh, addressed as okay, this is a problem. We need to have a solution to this in in some way. Uh, and I can certainly see that the idea of overpopulation is being you know introduced more and more by the day basically but uh, do you know know if anything more you know or other beyond that or maybe ver verify what i just said there uh, that are being discussed on these meetings yes as i said they've had a mandate since they've begun it's always been the same mandate uh, with the same goals they have never varied their goals they knew the world they wanted to bring into existence uh, a long long time ago and um, the world, apart from being more efficient with also using science to guide the people mm. and to also alter the people through different phases physically, biologically, mm. um, the, the other phase was to depopulate the, the people. Now, they've been doing it 
since the, the 50s That's right. through inoculations. There's yeah. no doubt on that whatsoever. Yeah. We have no doubt. The statistics show it. Um, since the 50s, especially with the polio vaccines and all the rest of it, mm-hmm. uh, you will see people now with basically elderly diseases coming down with them, and they're even in adolescence now. Hmm. Uh, crippling arthritis and juvenile arthritis and things like this. Could, could there we be also note yeah. the sperm count in the, in the male yeah. has dropped seventy five percent since the nineteen fifties. Hmm. Uh, three quarters sterile already. Yeah. Uh, the fastest growing business in America is uh, fertility clinic. Oh really? And um, so and, the, and so it's male and female. Yeah. Uh, biologically, we're seeing biophysical. Uh, effects in the males, young males and females. They're different than they were uh, 50 years ago at the same age. So we The w- hips are disappearing in the female. Yeah. The guys are becoming very narrow frame, uh, thin, mm-hmm. and uh, the guys are becoming more effeminate. That's mm. uh, because biological changes have taken place because the brain itself and the various um, uh, glands in the body were targeted by bio-warfare techniques through inoculations. Mm. They could never come out and tell the public the truth now. They could never, ever admit to it mm. what they've actually done. So we- yet if you go through history, what you do find is when these people have their big meetings and fun groups to promote something and do something, they will do it. Mm. Yeah, they will just do it. I mean, I, I don't even know if we, we ever... So some some researchers re- refer to that there is um, you know meticulous you know documentation of every little step and move and, and stuff like this. But in a way, the all all these people have to do really is just to do it, follow up on it, implement it, and don't you know they don't have to instigate it in in, in any way or document it meticulously. Yeah. But but there might be even as you say there might be um, documentations. But the documentation in the, in this sense might be the uh, you know, whatever the UN reports on on uh, fertility or you know sterile, uh, how many people are sterile? Basically, I don't know. Uh-huh. In a day of crisis, was crisis creation everywhere? Uh, this is the time of crisis creation. Mm. Every year, the United Nations comes out with the statistics. Yeah, and they always comment if it's out of their hands, if it's something that's happened out of their hands. Mm-hmm. But they reel off the sperm count in the male as it drops, and have no comment on it. Hmm. That yeah. is your proof <laughs> that it's meant to be. Oh man! Or there would be a comment on it. That's right. Uh, and and something would be, uh, you know, a, a group would, uh, you know, be uh, assessed to this problem or whatever. You know that okay, we need to take care of this problem or, or research it and implement something. And I, I I have no idea if something is going on 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 that uh, level. Do you? No, there are none. All you have are, are the, are the uh, population reduction groups <laughs> yeah. run through various so-called, I think it's front feminist organizations, mm. like Planned Parenthood that was started off by Margaret Sanger, mm, yeah. who was funded from the top foundations. Yeah. She was a supporter of adult, Adolf Hitler's policies and Stalin's policies. Yeah. And she was also a eugenicist. She wanted all inferior types killed off. She started off the the whole Planned Parenthood uh, agenda. Um, all these characters are funded from the same source. The United Nations has uh, massive departments to do with depopulation, mm-hmm. uh, but nothing to do with, with, with population or repopulation. <laughs> yeah, there we uh, That's our clue about our great, big, uh, wonderful United Nations. <laughs> so we might be 
uh, fooling ourselves a bit if we're looking for a, <clears throat> again a, b- a big a big bomb so to speak a, b- a big event where uh, okay now we can you know see that uh, you know x amount of people have been you know eradicated or whatever we're looking for a big event that actually you know uh, takes away a lot of people you know as a proof for for the depopulation agenda but but again as you say this is more proof of a of a tippy toe tactic where where this is you know slowly being implemented and and a plan that stretches stretches you know for i don't know what 50 to 100 years maybe and and in a few years down the line we could then see the kind of uh, hockey stick you know statistic basically when this takes off and people are you know babies aren't born and 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 such i don't know yes uh, the uh, thomas malthus wrote his essays on population mm. and population control he was the first one of the well not the first but a big economist for the british royalty and their corporations, which they run, like the, the British East India Company. Mm. He also was an economist for most of the European royalty, and he wrote his essay on population reduction, basically. Mm-hmm. And in his suggestions, he talked about you know, the Britain, Britain and other countries had colonies where they used either slaves or very low-paid workers across the world. Mm-hmm. And he had it all worked out right down to the diet, what kind of diet to feed them to keep them just functioning but not too bright, mm. uh, just strong enough to do the work but not enough strength to walk off to another plantation for better conditions. Mm. Uh, this was done with meticulous detail. He was the one who wanted socialism to take over so that it could actually dominate the people mm. and the, the people themselves would pay for public housing which we built on unhealthy areas like swampland <laughs> where um, the conditions would start to kill them off, especially the very young. Yeah. Uh, this was all advocated in uh, this treatise in the 1700s. Yeah. It's never really stopped. The elite have always been concerned about losing control over the people if it hits a magic number. Uh, and I guess for you know du- during a time uh, now than during the period that we've you know. Um, what 50, 60, 70 years back, you know, that there have been interest in uh, actually having a lot of people around for for the ability to, uh, you know, have them as workers, building a lot of stuff, you know, constructing a lot of stuff, you know, implementing the industrial age up to the point where we're at now, maybe. But but so so for a period, is it true? Do you think that the, the, there were interest in you know having a lot of people around to be able to implement the kind of uh, industry that they have now, basically? That's right. They, they knew really, even partway through the industrial era, the, the industrial revolution, they knew it wouldn't last forever, that they would move offshore to cheaper places. Mm. And even then, uh, at the height of the industrial era, they were they were planning the population reduction to follow. Mm. And sure enough, it was around after World War II, that's when they had signed in, in the treaties in World War II to start to de-industrialize countries like Britain, in preparation for the European Union. Yeah, and yeah. in 1948, they set up uh, governmental departments to in every country in Europe that worked steadily on total integration of, the, of Europe <laughs> with population reduction to follow, with common laws to do with inoculations especially, which is interesting. Yeah. And you'll see the population uh, falling at the same rate in most countries. It oh. wasn't just because people had more money to spend to buy a car or whatever. Yeah. It was also the fact that we're becoming more 
and fertile. You know, this is interesting that you mentioned this too, of course, uh, you know, with the with EU and introduction of different countries into that. I was reading a little bit about uh, uh, George uh, Soros. Uh, I think he was referred to uh, or known for, you know, someone in quotes, uh, you know, for breaking the Bank of England. Uh, and he even was connected with, uh, I know, uh, helping to to break, as it were, the, the Swedish currency on, during uh, uh, b- back in 1992, basically uh, to de- help to devalue the, the the crowns or krona's we have up here, the currency, and uh, you know, and many claim that this was the kind of financial trouble, um, you know, when this was implemented or when this was uh, uh, taken into place that this actually helped to spur people, you know, out of fear, of course, but to to get uh, go into the European Union to prevent things like this happening ge- again. And That's it's right. And it's very problem and offer the solution. Ex- exactly, and and it's very interesting that during that time, uh, our Prime Minister was was uh, Karl Bildt, and he of course is a Bilderberger, same as George Soros at that time. And and you know, so there are you know a few a few connections here. I mean, I mean, that might be obscure in that sense again, but there. Again, it seems to implement the idea that, okay, these guys are cooperating up there on that level because they know that they want to uh, introduce the European Union as as a first step. And and in order for that to happen, we have to have some kind of, you know, destabilized situation uh, in in those countries that are, you know, financially strong or or don't have a reason maybe to to enter these unions. That's right. Uh, It's more the public who must be convinced. The elite are all in on the game. Yeah. And uh, George Soros is basically a frontman for Rothschild anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Remember the Rothschilds don't only run the, the, the British uh, system yeah. and the Bank of England, which is their treasury in a sense, but they also still have their private banks for lending hmm. as well. And Mr. Soros wouldn't take a move without permission from his boss. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Soros did write a half page on how he did it <laughs> in uh, the British newspapers a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, openly boasting that two, uh, he and two friends did it all on the phone. They chose to buy lots of bonds, then, yeah. then, then uh, claim they were going to drop them all, uh, panicked the Bank of England, and that the Bank of England had to borrow from the international bankers, which yeah. also includes the Rothschilds again, there go. Uh, to keep themselves afloat and devalue the pound. So they not only do they do it, they boast about it. However, yeah. it t- the very fact that Mr. Soros is not only walking around today free and in one piece tells you he was authorized by the establishment itself. Yeah. Or it's he wouldn't be walking anywhere. <laughs> that's right. And it's again it's it's so easy because I, I think we uh again we fool ourselves into believing that in that sense that, that there are you know people, you know, having control over this or regulating or or being able to prevent this or, or whatever. I, I think, yeah. again, we have to remind, you know, everyone, and I have to do that myself, that we are living in in their system. They created right. it. They set that up. And, and, and it doesn't matter in that sense what we what we do as long as we keep fighting within that system, in a sense, because they can, you know, they control it, basically. This you know. is theirs. This is a psychopathic structure. Yeah. Which we've been trained to believe is reality because we were born into it. Yeah. The same as our parents before us. Hmm. There's nothing humane in the, the system whatsoever. Uh, oh my. You know, I'm thinking also about um, 
going back again to to uh, the, the Bilderbergers here, but uh, uh, Prince Bernhard, uh, one of the uh, I know, and his uh, and, and his uh, I think his daughter, the Queen Beatrix of, of the Netherlands, yeah. have been kind of referred to, I guess, as the as the glue that holds the you know the Bilderberg Group uh, together. Uh, I don't know. What, what's your take on on what their particular role in all of this is? Well, Bernhard, sure. I mean, he, he was so well known. He was a supporter of the Nazis. And, it, um, do you know if he actually was a former SS Nazi officer? I know he had a uniform uh, given to them, but lots of them did. Uh, even Prince Philip, the, the, the Queen of England's husband, mm -hmm. uh, his father. I've still got the photographs here of his father, who was also given an SS uniform by mm -hmm. the Nazis. Okay. Lots of them uh, wore the Nazi uniform mm -hmm. and had been awarded it by the German uh, Reichstag. You know? Sure. So uh, they're all part of the same family, as you see, mm -hmm. really at the top. Yeah. Uh, they're all related to each other. Um, they get, see, when they, you, you read in history of the great experiments in history, uh, the American Revolution with the Constitution was called an experiment. Yeah. The next thing they, they did, uh, they also gave uh, a form of democracy to other countries in Europe, including mm. England. Mm. And they observed that. Then they gave communism to Russia and observed that. As each one in history, by the big authors, the authorized historians, is called a great experiment. Mm. And they watched all forms of it to see what was the best way, not to help the people, but to control the people. Sure. And in their own books, they say uh, that uh, this is from uh, the big uh, groups, like the Club of Rome and so on. Mm -hmm. They say that the best one that they, know, they, they observed was communism. Because for an elite group to run it efficiently and quickly, make rapid changes, uh, communism was the best way. Mm. So they're amalgamating uh, democracy, uh, uh, fascism really, yeah. with communism uh, to, to call it the third way, as Albert Toffler called it in his book. Mm -hmm. mm. uh, the, the bringing together for the next era of fascism at the top, that's public-private corporations. Yeah. Uh, government and private business, international business, tied together with a, a, a communistic bureaucracy running a communistic people below them. Do you, uh, do you know if parallel you, government mm -hmm. uh, outside of it all, yeah. they can make rapid decisions and have them rapidly implemented without uh, the slowness of the regular bureaucracies. That's the system that's in place today. Okay, so but do you know if, if um, at that time a few countries have been named as, as kind of these first experimenters? Because I know uh, that that Sweden, in some instance, was um, named as as the next developing stage after you know the the collapse or before I guess even, but uh, before the Soviet Union collapsed in in you know <laughs> in its first incarnation yes. at least. But I know the Swe Sweden was mentioned as kind of that kind of political system. Have you heard about that? Yes, they did. They, they observed Sweden and uh, implemented a lot of changes there that were different than other countries. Mm. Um, the big promoters from the 1800s, in fact, like H.G. Wells into the 1900s, uh, Bertrand Russell and others, uh, basically formed the type of school systems you'd have where they would promote um, early sexual uh, contact mm -hmm. uh, and, and so on to, to see what effect it would have if it could possibly destroy the family. Mm -hmm. uh, so they used Sweden and Denmark. That was another prototype for mm -hmm. these methods to be introduced. Hmm. Uh, through the school.
schooling system too to give a lot of communistic ideas mm -hmm. without going the whole way into the totalitarian type regime. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that's right. It seems to be kind of a, a, a meandering about, and, and in a way, I can see that uh, the, the, the a socialist mindset in that way is very, um, you know, popularly promoted in you know in, in you know in, in the media and stuff like this within the cultural uh, you know movement and so forth. And it's a it's a hint of it, uh, you know, in that way everywhere. But but it's not fully. Uh, drawn to the extent of how it was in, in you know, in, in the Soviet Union, but the, the mentality of it or the thought of it is, is kind of seemed to lurk be below the surface, so to speak. Yes, and, and also it did have a desired effect because they wanted to destroy... See, the family unit was very handy for them for a long, long time. Yeah. Since the days of the early Catholic Church and feudalism, which came into Europe at the same time, mm. hand in hand. Mm. Um so that it destroyed the family unit now that it served its purpose. Hmm. And so they, 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 they gave factions and promoted uh, a separateness from, for the females who would be given a different, slightly different uh, chip on their shoulder than the males would have. Hmm. Uh, this would cause um, dissension amongst people, make it almost impossible for them to stay together. So hmm. it was <clears throat> a training ground, you might say, hmm. with a lot of psychology and observation involved to see the effects, to see how it could be improved and implemented elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah, and again, I keep, you know, returning to that. It, it's it's their system, and they set, and they set it up, and, and they experiment with it. And, and we, in a way, we shouldn't be surprised that this is going on, I guess. Uh, not at all. Not at all. And not only that, I mean, the CIA started up uh, a lot. In fact, most of the left-wing organizations that were knowing, known in the U.S., mm -hmm and that people were battling over with right-wing and left-wing, mm -hmm. it's now admitted that most of the left-wing organizations, especially in the culture creation industry, were actually run completely by the CIA and MI6 mm -hmm. in England. Yeah, it creates and that... They not only did that, they had 70 uh, offices across the world, including Sweden, okay. and they were heavily involved in the creation of uh, the entertainment site, which yeah. gives you the ideas that children follow in Sweden. So, um, as long as people on the first level, or we can have a, even have a system that is, uh, you know, more socialistic in a way for, for from the people up to the, uh, uh, you know, the representatives of the people, but, but as long as there is a group, you know, above them or working behind the scenes, it doesn't matter in a way what, what the people have, as long as they believe that they have the power to, to choose and pick and, you know, whatever. That's right. So. That's right. You believe you have the power of choices, but in fact, they'll give you more choices. It doesn't take much because people don't think through all of the choices. That's right. They jump on the choices thinking it's freeing them, but actually it's enslaving them and dividing them yeah. in another way. Yeah, and they can even flood, uh, you know, the the amount of choices that are the, that are being made, meaning that, uh, you know, the more you have to choose and pick and uh, because i know you know a few years ago when they privatized uh, up here you know the the telephone industry the uh, uh, the electric market and we had you know different companies go coming in taking over parts of the uh, you know the electric grid and stuff like this you it all was about you know your tremendous freedom now when you can choose you know between company a or company b or whatever but right. all that happened basically was that people was 
eventually fed up with making all the choices, so they just handed it over anyway, you know. <laughs> yeah, you, you see, socialism is a great con. It always was a con. And again, now that they're so um, arrogant, they're, they're publishing a lot of their declassified information from government departments on mm. all of this. Mm. And the strategy was, now they knew they'd have to build countries up uh, with electricity, water supplies, all the infrastructure that you see around you. Mm. They had to build it up, and rather than, than, than get uh, their own money involved initially, they gave you socialism in the Western, in, in Europe. Mm. And all countries, including Britain, the taxpayer funded all of the infrastructure, the roads, everything. Yeah. Uh, the electricity uh, companies uh, were all nationalized. Yeah. And in would come the conservatives after it and say it was just so inefficient. Now that it's all paid for, mind you. <laughs> that's right, yeah. And they'd sell it for peanuts yeah, to right. their, their friends. Yep. <laughs> this was all planned before it started. Of course, yep. Yeah, it's just, and this happens over and over again. It does, yeah, absolutely. And the uh, public never learn because because there's no inter-family um, history anymore to pa- or wisdom to pass on what happened uh, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Yeah, exactly. There's no grandmother to say, wait a minute, you know. Yeah. Um, this hmm. is what happened then. That's it's right. the same con. And so you can fool every generation now very simply by the same techniques. Yeah. And uh, again, I mean, we attend uh, the, the schools that they from the beginning set up and it's mandatory to go there and you have to go in that learning system and people are, you know, um, thinking that this is a privilege and, uh, and not a, you know, <laughs> a, the other way around, you know, that, that this is actually hurting, you know, many, many of the kids today and they, it destroys their creativity, their spirituality and, and a lot of this stuff. But they're actually, you know, again, just being trained as another brick in the wall, as it were, you know. Yeah, they're programmed for the changes which they will accept in their life. That's how carefully it is. Mm. Uh, The children are literally programmed by the year now uh, as they go into kindergarten. Yeah. Uh, Beria, who was the chief of the NKVD, the secret police in Russia, Mm -hmm. in 1934 gave a talk on intergenerational changes that they were creating and he said then, this was to the Comintern International Communist Committee, mm-hmm. uh, which the future Prime Minister of Canada uh, attended since he was the head of the Communist Party at that time. That was Pierre Trudeau. And um, Beria said it used to take 70 years to, to indoctrinate changes through the children into society before you could see them accepting it. Mm-hmm. He said now, with scientific indoctrination, we can do it make rapid changes every five years yeah. and eventually it will be by the year. Uh. What he meant was a kindergarten child going in yeah. is being taught uh, very scientifically indoctrinations which will be completely different from the society of his parents so that he will accept the changes that he's been indoctrinated in without question as, as the, he goes through life. Huh. And then the ones the following year are, are even a bit more further forward than him Mm. and so on and so on. Quicker and quicker. It's, it's so precise. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you think that some of these rulers up there might be looking upon, you know, previous uh, civilizations as, as they rose and fell and, and looking upon, upon those as as models and, and, and in a way admiring them, but the only problem with them was that they actually 
did fell and, and not, you know, okay, they have incarnated in different, you know, all the time in different, they take new shapes. It's not that, it, it's not that black and white that they, you know, are there and then just disappear. But, but do you think that they would have the philosophical aspect to, to all of this that, okay, we need to have a time for this kind of experimentation to actually develop a method to being able to, with that knowledge, then later implement a civilization that actually will, or an empire that actually will last and being able to be also flexible because some of these previous ones weren't that flexible and when the people change, you know, the, the, the empire collapsed basically, but what they're looking for now is, a, is, a, is an empire that will, uh, you know, be flexible as it were with the people and that's why I think if that's what you're referring to, that that they can change, you know, every five years, every ten years, every one year, or whatever, to to be able to be flexible. What do you think? They themselves, remember, have no compassion for ordinary people. They see themselves literally as a separate species. Uh, all psychopaths do, especially inbred psychopaths. Mm. They do know they're different, and they do know their need up until the present of of the ordinary people to do all the work for them. Mm. We bring into to being all of the plans that they want to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, but however, they, they have already planned a future where they will take the base material. When they, when they say base material, they're talking about the ordinary people. Mm, yeah. And that they will perfect them into different types of specialized humans for specific tasks. Yeah. That way, when we're all chipped and we don't think for ourselves, and we can't think at all for ourselves as an individual, mm. which they've written a lot about. Mm. Um, they'll have no more problems. Their only worry so far is that those who are aware in each generation who are able to communicate what's really happening to the others, mm. uh, which often overthrows them. Yeah. That's why they give us bread and circuses in yeah. the days of Rome. Yeah. Now, Huxley said the only reason the previous elite fell and, and they didn't fall, by the way. They always moved yeah, before that's the right. fall. That's right. But he said the reason those civilizations fell was the elite couldn't provide enough bread and circuses for the people. Yeah, there you go. Now, that's why sports and all this stuff and massive television entertainment is put out in this present phase yeah. is to keep us all mesmerized, occupied, and stupid and dumb mm. uh, as they roll ahead with this agenda because they will bring in uh, the ultimate solution, which is uh, their words, and that's the brain chip. Mm. That's the brain chip. Yeah. Their only problem then is can they themselves, who's, who really crave power, mm. all keep cooperating at the top? That's yeah. the only problem. Yeah, that's right, because, I mean, in a way, uh, I, I think there is a lot of infighting going on uh, at the top, don't you think, also? Psychopaths have a great ability to act their way through life, and they do act their way through life. They can be tremendously cordial to each other when mm. they have to combine. Mm. But in, within themselves, each one really strives for for higher power. It's a it's the side effect of being a psychopath, they might say. Yeah. And um, and that is also their other problem. However, they've even talked about ways to monitor each other not with a brain chip, but with a form of a cap. Mm-hmm. They could, and they do have this technology, by the way. It can, it can read your thoughts. There's no doubt about it. It's mm-hmm. classified from the Pentagon. They have this equipment. 
It can actually read people's thoughts. It can insert thoughts into a person. But it can also read your thoughts as you're thinking. And if it detects anything which is which is programmed as being wrong or deviant or whatever, it can send them back to the recipient, and then you will change your mind on something. Oh, there we go. Isn't that nice? You know, so, they <laughs> yeah, they rectify you as you walk. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I mean, and this is no. I mean, as you say, they they have the technology. I put up a news story. Um, what was it? A few weeks ago. Uh, that actually talked about a toy, you know, developed from over in, in, I don't know if it's China or Japan or whatever, that actually responded to your brain waves and could, in that sense, pick up on what you were thinking. <laughs> yeah, I, I, give, I give a talk on all the dec- a lot of the declassified stuff and named it all with all the references mm-hmm. from the Pentagon oh, interesting. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, too. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. And uh, this stuff does exist. Now, the elite... Um, have said they could wear a kind of a ring or a cap, something you could put on and off. Yeah, okay. Uh, which would basically be able to keep each other in a cooperative, uh, cooperative frame of mind, you might say. Yeah. Uh, to stop them from, from turning on each other when there are no more enemies. Yeah. <laughs> oh my, it's uh, the one ring, you know, it's reminiscent of Sauron and all that. <laughs> it's also written in uh, the, mo- the, um, the book novel, the last one by Arthur C. Clarke, mm-hmm. who gave us the agenda, in a, in, with the religion in it, actually, mm-hmm. uh, in a space form, a space odyssey, 2001, mm-hmm. and 2010, and 3001, those uh, who run the world in those days, the elite, will have this kind of ring they can put on and off. Mm-hmm. They'll be able to take it on and off. Yeah. Mm. Oh, there we go. <laughs> My and God, yeah. The ball sort of cooperate as if wicked thoughts they could uh, uh, be rectified before they act on them yeah yeah uh, yeah Alan I, th- I think that's a, that's a great way to round things up for, for this time and I want to again thank you so much for coming on it's it's always a pleasure to have you on but but as usual before we go you know for potential new listeners out there and, and who people who aren't aware of of you your work or your uh, you know your website and all the stuff that you have on there for us tell us about it before we finish up here com and Alan Watt sentient sentinel dot eu uh, for lots of free downloads on a lot of these topics I give the references to the stuff I don't speculate uh, other if you speculate you'll be lumped as a conspiracy theorist that's right I just give you the facts written by the elite themselves mm. uh, from dry dusty boring books <laughs> and uh, I also have a couple of uh, things for sale there they're my own books I've written and uh, and videos you can buy as well. But by the way, Alan, before we fin- finish off, I want to ask you, uh, uh, you, I guess you have a few DVDs out there. Are you, are you producing any more of those? Any, any yeah, thoughts this on that? Yeah, summer I am going to turn a bunch of them out. Oh, okay, oh, that's good. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great way also to communicate these these days when many people, you know, there's a lot of material out there, and, and uh, one of the ways to deliver it, of course, is through uh, Beyond Radio is, of course, uh, video. So that's a good idea, I think. Especially in a day where people are reading less and less. That's right, that's right. They don't have the concentration now. That's right. So DVDs, they're already trained to watch television, so sometimes it helps to stick in their mind what you're actually saying. That's right, and uh, and, uh, in a way, I I guess, you know, if if we are to communicate this message to, to, uh, you know, more people in that way, we have to also use the the mediums or the the, the methods that are available to people, so I think that's a, a great way to do it, so. 
Alan, thank you so much for coming on. It it has been a pleasure, as I said, and we will uh, continue next month, okay? Will do. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye.